Hello, wonderful humans. It's Lorna Morin, and welcome back to She Inspired. As I announced recently on Instagram, She Inspired is evolving, and I'm really excited about this new direction we're taking in season two. It's not a dramatic departure, more of a pivot, a fine tuning, I would say. You see, I've realized that the personal journey I've been on these last two years to rebuild my life in a way that is aligned with the truth of who I am and why I'm here, it's really a journey about healing. But you know, I wouldn't have described my journey in those terms even just a few months ago. And so now that I have this increased awareness, I am understanding exactly what kind of process I've been undergoing personally for the last two years. And it's led me to want to share these stories of women's healing and the different ways that looks, sounds, and feels for each of us. My intention for She Inspired remains the same. I believe in the power of sharing our stories to serve others. And I'm excited to be able to share women's stories in what I believe will be deeper and more meaningful ways. Ultimately, I believe each of us is on a journey to discover the truth of who we are and activate on our soul's purpose in this lifetime. By healing trauma, fear, and doubt from our pasts, we shed the lenses and filters we developed as a result of these experiences, which shape the way we see the world and what we believe is possible for us. There is so much more out there for each of us. That's what I really want to say. And that's why I believe the process of healing is so important and I want to talk about it and raise awareness of it and encourage and support women to embark upon it. The world needs the unique gifts that only you have. The time is now for those of us willing to hear the call to step forward. The title of this episode is An Amazing Positive Loop with Emily Getz. Emily Getz, welcome to She Inspired. So happy to have you here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. It's It's been three months in the making, I think. I think you're right. You're <laughs> right. That was when we had our first conversation. Well, I do believe in divine timing and things happen at the exact right time. So I know that we are meant to be right here today. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to say, you know, as someone myself who is just beginning to share my healing journey with the world. And I mean, like, literally, I actually just finished my first live interview on Instagram, where I shared um, in some detail around like, the healing that I've undergone in the last two years. Um, I have such appreciation and regard for your courage in sharing so openly of your experience with infertility and the impact it's had and is having on you and your family. And I just really... I really applaud you for challenging what I know, or sorry, channeling what I know has been a painful experience and using it to heal yourself and to help other women heal. So I just wanted to acknowledge and honor you for that. And thank you again for being here. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Mm -hmm. So you are a mother, you are a wife, a PR executive, also a podcaster. You're launching your podcast called Day One. And um, I wanted to ask you, and, and Instagram, there's a link to your Instagram profile for people who want to check out your podcast. And in your Instagram handle, you, you have uh, my life between two white lines. And I'm curious, what does that mean? Yeah. So that is my, yeah, in my personal um, handle, I basically 
the visual identity of that for me is if you look at it there, I intentionally put a white border between my photos and it's just a depiction of, um, of my life between, mm-hmm. between these sort of lines that I visually created. Um, it's kind of a read between the lines sort of idea that, um, you know, this is, this is what my life kind of looks like. I mean, mm. <laughs> I probably should be sharing some more vulnerable and have my kid has tamper tantrums in between those two white lines. Um, <laughs> well, but I, <laughs> I, I went through, I, I love what you share on your feed. It's Thank like you. beautiful. It makes my heart smile. Like <laughs> you're just, a t- I, I love your photos, like the quality of them. You're just really good. I think at capturing emotion. And like, oh. and like honest emotion in your, in your photo. So, uh, I mean, if you want to post temper tantrums, you can, but <laughs> yeah, like exactly. I'm like, I always say, I'm like, I really love to live my Instagram life. <laughs> right. Oh gosh. Yes, yeah. That's a, that's a thing. That's yeah. a topic for a whole other interview. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, actually it's a really great segue because, um, you know, the purpose of this podcast, my intention with She Inspired is to, is to share the stories of women. Um, and in this new season, it's really uh, an emphasis on sharing our healing journeys um, and to be really truthful and open and honest about what that looks like, what that sounds like, what that feels like. Um, for me, I've just really recently in the last few months come to appreciate the profound power of healing in our lives and, um, and in the world. Like, I think there's an actual palpable energetic impact, uh, made in the world when more and more of us are willing to heal. So it's a very powerful, like I, I'm starting to call it, I've started to call it a radical act. Um, so it is, uh, like, I really do appreciate you being here to talk about your experience. So you recently published an essay in the Toronto Star, which is like a major daily newspaper here in Toronto, uh, where you share some of your story um, and the healing journey that you've been on as you um, experience secondary infertility and live through that. And in your essay, you use this beautiful metaphor of a portage to describe your journey. And I'd love to just ask you, like, why did you choose that metaphor? Like, how did that come to you? And why mm-hmm. did it feel like the right metaphor for describing your journey? Um, that's such a great question. Um, I actually came up with it in a therapy session. Uh, my And um, I was trying to talk through that reserve of strength that women go through um, when they're trying to build their family and it's just not coming easily and it's 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 like you're in a ring and then you kept getting beaten down and you have to find the strength to come back up and I was I couldn't get there for myself like I'm like what is it that's getting me to the other to keep going mm. um and I was like you know it's like going on a portage you know you mm. can go on a really hard portage and and but but the one thing that keeps you really going is that knowing there's the water like and I just kept being like, I don't know, there's something there. And that was starting to resonate with me. And um, and I think that then you get into the into even going on a canoe trip and 
Um, you think you understand what that trip's going to look like, but you don't really until you actually travel it yourself. And then there's, you can't predict the weather and you, you know, you don't know really what those trails are going to be. Um, so it just started to like unravel where I was like, wow, this is really powerful for me. And I, it, it, it describes what has been getting me through in a way that other people that might not be on this journey can start to relate to. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is, that's definitely what I felt. You have this particularly poignant line, I believe, where you say in your essay, quote, but you don't know what's under the forest's canopy until you travel it yourself. No map can prepare you for unmarked trails. Um, and I do agree, like for somebody who, um, actually I've had, I did experience infertility prior to my first child, but I haven't had the same infertility journey that you've had, obviously. Um, I say obviously because all of our journeys are different, but, um, I, I just mean like it it was, I found your, your use of metaphor and actually, interestingly, I'm also not a canoe tripper or even Mm -hmm. a poor daughter, but I, it was, it made it very palpable for me. It was a brilliant choice. And, um, I just was curious kind of how it, how it came to you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I've always loved the, the going into the park and, um, and the, the point of it as well was like it was written in a way where if you aren't a tripper yourself, you can, you can put yourself into that mindset. Yes, absolutely. I was able to do that. And so for, for those who are listening, who haven't read your essay, um, could you tell us uh, a bit about your experience, your journey so far with secondary infertility? Yeah. So, um, I have a three and a half year old son, um, and we decided to try for a second and we've actually gotten pregnant pretty quickly um with with Ryder and so we kind of went into this with the same idea and we we actually ended up getting pregnant again very quickly in 2019 um and I and I had a easy pregnancy um really up until around the 6 month mark and that's sort of when our journeys took a turn. Um, and I ended up losing, um, and we, we named her Ruby. I ended up losing Ruby in uh, October of 2019 when I was about 23 and a half weeks pregnant. And um, what happened was I must have caught in some form of an external infection and it ended up impacting, um, the, the, this fluid, the amniotic mm-hmm. fluid got infected and then it, the sack broke and my water broke and, um, and we, we lost her. She was, she was just under that mark of trying to, um, get her into the NICU. Mm. Oh, Emily, my heart just goes out to you. I know it's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, no, no. Go I ahead. I, I'm happy to keep going. <laughs> I wish that was the end. <laughs> well, it's because that's not the end. I mean, no. obviously it's, it's I, it kind of, I don't know how you, if you see it this way, but I kind of read it as almost the beginning yes. of a new chapter for you. Do you feel that way too? I a hundred percent feel that way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so 
So in your essay, again, you have, you have a line that I think really speaks to, I guess I hear it almost as like your call to action, like kind of what's motivating you in this new chapter of your life. You talk about how you say, because we don't talk about the process or the emotional devastation it carries on families. You're referring to um, pregnancy loss and infertility. Uh, we're not equipped to understand it. Um, totally unexplained and extremely rare is what the doctors told you. And you were like, what do I even do with that? Um, and I, I really hear that in your essay as kind of, as I said, this I've called to action is the right word, but it's like, this is like something that you've, an insight that you've realized through this experience. And it's playing like a foundational role in how you want to show up in this next chapter and what you feel called to do. Do, do you agree with the way I'm characterizing it? Like, is that what it has meant for you? Yeah. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. I need to write that down. <laughs> well, we're yeah. recording. So <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well then could you talk to us more about that? Um, and what that means to you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I've, as I said, we, we, had this big late pregnancy loss and it followed with, um, a lot of new challenges, um, that we probably would never have found out if we didn't lose Ruby. Like, um, uh, my ovarian reserve is quite low. Um, and because of that, uh, we had to go and tr try medical intervention. Um, and then we did an IVF cycle and, uh, I ended up actually getting pregnant from that and it migrated into my fallopian tube. So I ended up having to lose and get my, remove my fallopian tube because of it. Um, and through this, through kind of every notch on the belt or, mm -hmm. you know, every step of the way, it felt like um, I wasn't educated enough going into it, but mm. also people around me weren't with no fault of their own. And I think in any time type of loss, people don't always know how to handle it. But I think you could know how to handle something better if you were more educated around it. If you just knew a little bit more, like dip your, I, I, I did a video and I was like, just dip your toe into it. Because if people going through the infertility journey felt like, the world around them understood it a bit more then they would be sharing and then their support would be heightened and would be more impactful to them. And it, it kind of just becomes um, this amazing positive loop that we're mm -hmm. missing right now. We're really mm. missing it right now. So, um, and mostly it's because there's a lot of shame around not being able to get pregnant and med medical intervention and pregnancy loss and, you know, so there is a sense of not wanting to share for yourself and then not even wanting to put that on other people. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's, that is a big reason as to why I started the podcast really is to help normalize the conversation, not just within the infertility community, but beyond that. Yeah. Oh, I love how you said about like kind of bringing it out of the shadows Mm -hmm. normalizing. It's one of the things that I find uh, so powerful about when we share our stories. It, it's like, we, 
I really believe in the power of sharing our stories to serve others. Yes. For a lot of the reasons you just described, it's like there's, um, by doing it, by stepping out there, we not only serve ourselves, but we also serve other people, whether it gives them permission or uh, kind of encouragement to sh- do their own, share their own story, or whether you share something through the course of your story that like is what they needed to hear in that moment. There's so many like synchronicities that happen. Um, and, and I think that's all the more true for a topic like this, where, as you rightly say, there's just so few people talking about it. There's so little space for the conversation. Yes. And I'm curious, like in your personal experience, going back to, um, when you lost Ruby, were you reluctant to talk about your experience at first or how how did you experience that? What was interesting for us is that I was very publicly pregnant. So, um, my work knew I was showing, um, I was public on my social media about it. So I didn't really, um, have a choice Mm. to decide if I wanted to or not. Um, but so, so there was that, uh, mm-hmm. in itself. And, and with that is, it's interesting cause it, it did, I do think part of that has allowed me to do what I'm doing right now because everyone around me kn- knows I want a second baby. My work knows like it, it has given me a little bit of a window that maybe not everyone feels comfortable with. Um, but I, I'm an open person. So I'm always fine. I would, I would be fine to talk about it. I felt like I couldn't talk about it mostly because I didn't want to make other people feel bad or anxious about it or, Mm. you know, so, um, but I have a very amazing support group of friends and family and they kind of took my lead. Um, but, but I do think there's a, would be nice to have a world in which the, your support felt like they could kind of maybe push a little harder. Um, and that, that's just a big, another, you know, big reason as to why I'm trying to share my story right now. And the other thing I just wanted to say, Lorna is, you know, I think when I did some research around starting the podcast, there's a lot of podcasts, um, fertility podcasts out there actually, um, in the UK and in, the US and there's a lot of women and, and families and dad, everyone sharing their IVF journeys on social. Like it's quite, it's actually a huge community, hmm. but Canadian it's not like in Canada mm. it really isn't like there aren't, there's like a handful of us that are. And, um, but you can really see the difference between Canada and like the rest and like you know, I don't want to say the rest of it, but like US mm-hmm. and UK specifically. So I just, I really wanted to be part of that movement in Canada. Yeah. You saw a gap and you want to yes. fill yes. it locally. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's really, that's uh, a really interesting um, observation that you were able to make. And without kind of going too far down the rabbit hole, I'm curious, do you have thoughts on why that is? Like why we're talking about it less in, in Canada? I have a few, but I'm just curious to know what <laughs> yeah. you think about it. I think Canada is always a little slow to the game in like a lot of different ways. They, um, they you know, we, we stand we, on our own, but I yeah. do think that we like to wait and see and then jump on a bandwagon. So um, I, I, I do feel like that is what 
is happening, but there are some unbelievable ambassadors and programs in Canada that are starting to really move the needle. Um, and I just am like, I want, I want in. You want to be part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now you are it's amazing <laughs> and so needed. So, yeah. so grateful you're doing what you're doing. Well, and I wanted to say, you mentioned, um, you know, how you were very public about the fact that you want, you know, you still desire to have a, a another child and that that's your very intention. Much so. Very much so. You're very open about that in, in the essay in the Toronto Star as well. And I just wanted to say to you, like, I, I thought that I, I love the power and that intention of you really claiming your desire mm-hmm. and be, and doing that. It's so, um, you know, I, just powerful is the word that comes to me. And I really, I thought to myself, actually, Emily, I was like, because, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, like I had a, um, a period of, of kind of dealing with infertility before our first child. And I had several preg- or first trimester pregnancy losses. And honestly, I was very um, afraid to even voice the fact that I was still trying, that I still had an expectation of having a family because I'd had all this loss. Like I just felt like embarrassed about, I didn't want to put it out there because I, you know, didn't, there were, there was times when I really didn't think it was ever going to happen. But so anyway, just having had that experience myself, um, your, you know, willingness to claim so openly your desire and your intention and what you're going after, I thought was really powerful. And I said, what I said to myself actually was, I'm like, wow, it takes like real strength and courage and an ability to stand in the truth of who you are to do that. And I, you mentioned that in your essay and that's where I'd love, I'd love to go next is these reserves of strength. You talk about how, uh, with this journey, it's obviously not what you probably wanted or had imagined, but it's uncovered these reserves of strength, as you put it, that you didn't know you possessed. And I, I want to talk more about that. Can you describe for us what are some of the things and that you've learned about yourself and the strengths that have been revealed that you've revealed to yourself by going through this experience? Oh, that's another great heavy hitter question. I know (laughs) we don't love many softballs here. I love it. No, no. Um, yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is around for, for, for me is the resiliency. I didn't I've wanted things in my life and I've made decisions to do scary things in my life, but I don't think I understood like how dedicated in my, my resiliency after kind of uh, month over month dealing with the disappointment and not having that, like there was never a month that has gone by. There has never been a month that's gone by that I'm, I have said, I'm not going to try. Hmm. Um, and, and I feel like that has been, the resiliency of it all has really um, surprised me. And Mm. also um, what I've learned and one of my favorite pieces of um, learnings that Ruby has given me, and I really feel she's given me this gift, is letting go of what I thought my life should have been or Mm. letting go of um, where I, the timing of how things should land. Uh, it was very, and I think in any pregnancy loss, no matter how early or late it is, 
as soon as you get pregnant, you are envisioning that family. You are envisioning that life. You are, you are there, you know, it's a nine month journey, but you were like, I'm already there, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, if you lose at four weeks or seven months, like, yes, obviously the closer you get, the more committed and, you know, closer it is, but you are losing a dream. You are losing of actual true, like truth to yourself. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I probably say a year or so, I know, you know, up until January of this year, I was like, trying to catch up to the life I should have had. So Mm. I, I was like, are my babies are supposed to be two and a half years apart. And now they're three years and now they're four years. And that's not the life we're supposed to have. And, um, and I was like really anxious all the time being like, I need to, you know, anytime, um, any of my cycles got pushed, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm so Mm. far away from what I, my, the life I'm supposed to be having and I should have had um, Emily, that... I just, sorry. I just want to stop you there. Like, I think it's so profound and poignant what you just said. So I just want to like, for myself, even, I just want to process it and take it. Yeah, in. yeah. Because I think whether we're talking about infertility, pregnancy loss, or whether we're talking about like what you just said applies to so many of us in our lives mm-hmm. in terms of we're, we can be stuck on this um, ideal or this notion that we should be somewhere other than where we are. And so there's something wrong as a result of that. Um, and I think it, it, um, it really uh, impacts the quality of our lives and um, the way that we live our lives. So I just, just, it was very, very powerful for me what you just said. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I was, um, like I was missing out, you know, Mm -hmm. like Ryder was like such a great age, um, coming into himself. Like when we lost Ruby, he was around two and a half. And I just, for a year, I just was like missing out on him. And Mm. I, I was, I know this sounds so bizarre. And sometimes when I hear people say this, I'm like, Oh, this is like not ever going to happen to me, but I was in a, um, acupuncture, um, session and I was like, screw this. (laughs) I don't want to live like this anymore. Like I have to go through this journey, whether I like it or not. So now I have a choice on how I am going to go into the journey. And that comes back to, to, to healing truthfully, like that that was a moment where I was like, I have a choice. I can continue to have daily anxiety. I can continue to mourn a life that I'm never going to have. Like, it's not like I can turn back time. My Mm -hmm. kids won't be the, but that this is what was meant to be. And, um, literally I left that session. I was like that. I'm just, it like was a switch for me. Mm. That sounds to me like that was the beginning of your emotional healing. Yes. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Cause, and, and you've talked about this, um, you know, with an experience like the one that you're, you've had and are having, there's like a physical healing that happens obviously with pregnancy loss, but then there's also the emotional and, and mental component of it. And they don't 
often happen in tandem, do they? Um, and so I think it's really, uh, can you tell us more about that? So that, that switch flips in your acupuncture session. And so how did life begin to look different for you after that? Yeah, I think I just felt relief. Like I really let go. Like I was just like, I kind of felt like I was, you know, I'm doing, I gave myself permission to um, kind of succumb to the fact that I am doing everything in my power to get what I want. And I need to let the universe kind of take, take the rest of it. Otherwise I can't Mm -hmm. carry it every day. So it, um, because I literally don't have control over, over that. So Mm -hmm. It was a, it's been a lot of relief for me. Um, it also has allowed me to reflect and be like, how, how do I take the past two years and, and find some silver linings in there that make me feel like this was kind of meant to happen versus that I got robbed of something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, you mentioned feelings and I, and I, one thing I've learned on my own healing journey is that we can't actually heal until we're willing to feel the feeling. I know it's, but you can't heal without feeling. Um, and I don't like that. That's what I believe and understand to be true as a result of my own experience and the, the work and the learning that I've done. And so I find there's like this surfacing of in order to facilitate the healing process, at some point we have to allow this surfacing of feelings and it may be well after the event, um, has occurred, whatever it is, but in the surfacing of those feelings, which requires us to feel them again, which a lot of us don't really want to do, <laughs> um, and then, uh, feel them and then allow them to surface and then they can be released and that that actually facilitates the healing process. Is that how you understand it? Or, or, or what was that process like for you? Yeah. You know, I'm a really good compartmentalizer. <laughs> mm. I can put things in a, in a box and feel like that, like, Oh, dusting that off. Like I've taken care of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm and, not looking in that box. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's organized. On yeah. to the next one. On to the yeah. next one. Um, yeah. So I think for me, like I, my body, I like, I'm very grateful. It's been, you know, it heals. It's helped. It's been healing really well. And I kind of just chalked that. I was like, you know what? Oh, I'm going to get this surgery or, Oh, I'm I've lost the baby. Like my body always bounces back. Um, and I've had a couple people talk to me. That's like, no, you're holding this trauma, like in your body. And I'm like, mm. no, no, it's fine. Like, you know, like my scars are fine and I'm getting my, got my period back. Like everything's fine. And they're like, no, it, you're, it's in you. Like you're still there. And I realized, and it's to your point that it was still there. Cause I didn't, I hadn't let go. Like I mm. hadn't let go of the life I was supposed to have for me. That was like a huge, as soon as I just let it go, literally, I just said, I'm, le- I'm letting this go. I'm letting this, this, what, coulda, woulda, shoulda, just go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my body, like I could feel my body relaxing. And I, I don't think I understood how tense I was. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, you know, um, 
I couldn't hear myself. I couldn't hear that voice. I couldn't, my intuition was like lost somewhere because I was so tense. Like I didn't have room for it. Mm -hmm. So as soon as that kind of cap came off for me, I was like, oh, like there, there she is, (laughs) you Mm. know, like, and then (sighs) things started to like unravel, like the, the article came out of me and the, the idea of the podcast and, um, you know, even, Mm -hmm. even signing, like I ended up signing up for a mindset, um, course that, you know, we're both familiar with. And Mm -hmm. like, I started to take steps for me versus I need a baby. I need a baby. I need to do this right now. I need to like get all the things going on. Oh, that was so beautifully put, Emily. It's like, that is the power of, of healing is that it is ultimately restoring our, our connection to our true self. Yes. Right. And then as you've just so beautifully described, it's like this magical unfolding of all the things we need to, I believe, get us where we want and intend to go. But it just looks different than how we imagined often that it would look. Yeah. And I feel a big piece that no one talks about in like these infertility journeys is mindset. Like Mm. I didn't understand that that is even a component at all. I was mm-hmm. like, what my, I want a baby. Like that's the mindset. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah. Uh, it, that's another huge gap that I really want to talk through and, and figure out, you know, how we can, there are some coaches, but again, it's, it, it's not commonly talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, there is so much service and power in just sharing your story as you are through these various channels uh, but you're taking it a step further. You have taken it a step further and you've launched a podcast um, yes. called Day One. Yes. And so tell us a bit about your podcast and what you're going to be talking about and like what your intention is with it. Yeah. So the podcast will be a mix between experts and storytellers. So it will alternate um, every week between a story and we're having everyone from, you know, um, people that have gone to surrogacy route that are in IVF, they're just starting, um, the LGBTQ community. Um, it's, you know, we have a, I have a really great lineup of just diverse fertility stories. It's not just to shed light on IVF because IVF is really just one route, mm-hmm. um, and, and then having experts and healers and coaches and other, like, you know, closing the, the loop around different support and what that can look like. Um, and it really is the tagline. It's a no bullshit fertility podcast. And that's really what it is. Like, it, it, there's no filter. It's unfiltered fertility and just kind of um, hoping to be a platform where, um I'm just not educating. And, and I talk about this a lot. This is very important to me. It's like, I don't, you know, the infertility community, if we just all keep talking to each other, we won't break the stigma. We need people to be tuning in um, time to time that are not experiencing this so they can become informed. And and then it trickles into, you know, benefit offerings in the workplace. And, you know, they miscarriage time off they're starting you know in some places to do like this needs to you know become 
public policy. Yeah. 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 So that's the big, you know, goal Mm. ultimately. Um, but starting with this, just, you know, uh, just trying to not take things, make things too perfect. Mm -hmm. Just get content out there. That's hard for me to do. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a, you've got a perfectionist paradigm to you. Many of us do. Yes. When the logo went out, when I soft launched, I was like back and forth being like, it's too big. It's too small. It's too this. I'm like, oh, forget it. Just get it out. (laughs) Just get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. What's my favorite, my favorite. And I live by this now, but it's been hard. It's been taking some time to embrace it, but, and I may have shared this with you in one of our previous conversations, but I live by this mantra of imperfect action beats inaction every single time. I know. And so good. Yeah. It's, it's been really helpful for me to get over some of those perfectionist tendencies that I have had and still have as well. Oh, so hard. (laughs) Well, I love, I love your vision. Like, I love this, um, uh, this call that I hear you have behind your podcast of like, you know, you're starting with conversations and creating this space, but really driving toward, uh, these larger, um, impacts, but you're, you know, within, with, uh, you know, broadening the audience and moving into, uh, public policy and having policies that support women and their families who are, um, experiencing infertility. I think it's like total magic. I love it. Um, and I agree with you. It's like, it starts with one, well, it starts with one person sharing her story, which you're doing and now opening space to share other women's stories. So amazing. What's the best way, what's the best way for people to find you and your podcast, Emily? On Instagram, it's, uh, at underscore day one podcast. Uh, okay. I'll put the link in um, the details for this episode as well. That would be amazing. Um, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to be here and coming on and speaking so openly and honestly about your story and about your experience. I absolutely believe there are women who will listen to this and they are going to hear what they needed to hear in this moment in order to be able to move forward in their own healing journeys uh, and activate on their soul's purpose. So it's of such service that you um, chose to be here. And I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you. And, you know, thank you for having your own platform where you can start to shed light on so many amazing, amazing stories and topics that you have. So um, I'm just privileged to be one of them. Amazing. Thank you. And I've just had a thought. I'm like, when, after you, um, once your podcast launches, maybe we, we do this again and we kind of talk more, um, kind of podcaster to podcaster about that experience and and how it's going. I think that would be cool conversation. I'm totally down. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Emily. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm Lorna Morin, and you've been listening to She Inspired. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Lorna Morin 2.0 for more on this podcast and the other She offerings for purpose-driven women. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful stories of women who are willing to do the radical act of healing in order to reveal the unique gifts that only they have to offer and that the world needs.